Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Get it checked, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? Take your best shot. I'ma take the last shot. I'm Jordan in the clutch, boy. You bitting on me? It's time to get it checked, boy. You want the sideline? You ain't made the headlines. Now it's time to reject, boy. You bitting on me? What's the topic of discussion? What you talking about? All righty, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Auto Bid. I am Aaron Robertson, joined by my twin brother, Andrew Robertson. And today, we have a special, special guest. We're joined by Yale men's basketball head coach, James Jones. So, Coach, thanks for joining us. Hey, glad to be with you, fellas. No problem, man. We want to remind you guys, as always, man, make sure you guys are uh, liking this podcast, sharing this podcast, giving us a retweet or like on social media. Uh, it goes a long, long way. Uh, also, make sure you guys are listening to my guy, Pull Up Tay's music. Uh, he does the intro and the outro on this podcast, so his music is out on all platforms. Make sure you guys are giving my man a, a few listens, man. But, Coach, we're, we're, we're glad to have you on. I mean, I, I talked to you a little bit. I mean, me and you go a little way, go way back to my senior year when I, when I interviewed you for my senior capstone, man. So I'm glad to have you back this time around on this episode of the Auto Bid. It, it has been, been a long time coming, man. So we want to jump right into it, man. Obviously, you know, um, this year, you guys did not have a season um, over at Yale, man. So one of the, one of the many conferences uh, that I believe actually, if you guys remember, was the first conference to cancel their season last year, back in 2019-2020, um, back when the coronavirus was kind of this new thing in, in America. And the Ivy Leagues were the first conference back in 2019-2020 to, to cancel their season. So rewinding back to that year, uh, last year, 19-20 season, you guys were, you know, in first place in the Ivy League. Um, you guys were – going to get the auto bid to the tournament because there was no conference tournament. And then they come out and um, the NCAA canceled the tournament. I mean, taking us back to last year, um, what was the moment like in that locker room, just the feeling that you guys had, knowing that you guys weren't going to be able to play in the tournament? Um, and then just being first, you know, being the first conference to kind of come out and, and take that stand, all right, we're not playing the conference tournament. You know, what was going through your head uh, at that point in time, being that you guys were, were in first place and had a good chance to, to possibly win the conference tournament and get back to the, to the NCAA tournament? Well, let me take that piece by piece. I'll start off with the way you ended. Um, For us, uh, you know, the fact that we weren't going to have a conference tournament um, was kind of bittersweet uh, in the sense that uh, the year before we had won the conference, uh, we had shared the league and won the conference tournament and went to the NCAA. And that was magical, winning the the conference tournament. It was at Yale. Um, So friends and family and, and, and fans were here, and we were able to share that. And that was just a great, great feeling to have to be able to go and do that. And so last year, uh, last year we had an opportunity to do the same, and that was taken away from us. Um, but the, the sweet side of that is that we were automatic qualifiers. And the thing about it is in Ivy League, that's the way we were doing it for, you know, the first, you know, 120 years or whatever it was that uh, whoever won the league was going to go to the tournament. So we felt really good about that. And then, um, you know, I, I kept waiting for that Sunday, Selection Sunday to get here. And, um, you know, it couldn't come soon enough. Um, we had found out, I believe, on that Monday, uh, Tuesday before um, we were going to play that, that Friday that the, the tournament was canceled. 
So, you know, so as Tuesday crept up and Wednesday crept up, I kept waiting for Sunday to get here because I knew that, you know, Selection Sunday was going to come out and I could see our name called and, and all that, and it could become more real for us. And then um, I believe it was a Thursday when Rudy Gobert um, tested positive for COVID, and then that turned uh, sports world upside down. Uh, as soon as that happened, leagues started canceling um, their conference tournament. My brother at uh, BU, I think that Wednesday night, they were the last team that, to qualify for the NCAA tournament. And I, was, I remember being at home yelling at my television and his point guard who had made a mistake in the game, late in the game, he had turned the ball over and I wanted to jump through the TV and grab him. <laughs> and, uh, what was crazy was, and, and you guys can attest to this because your family, um, the biggest pro- the biggest issue I had with the can- tournament being canceled was the fact that my brother and I couldn't uh, participate in the same year. And um, further along those lines, my dad didn't have a chance to peacock. Like, cause, so you can imagine your parents, um, if you guys were Division One head coaches and you made it to the NCAA tournament, you can imagine, the, you know, the joy that your parents would have. Our mom passed um, a while back. So our dad uh, was going to be able to peacock and go from gym to gym and, and then watch us play and fly from city to city and, you know, be, be interviewed and all those kind of things. And, and that was taken away from us. So that was really hard. But it was very difficult. Um, once we found out the tournament was canceled, I was actually um, in a uh, grocery store buying some food. And I got a, a hit on my phone from Twitter that the uh, uh, NCAA tournament was going to be canceled. Um, so I immediately called my guys. Um, we we uh, set up a dinner, which was sort of like our banquet at the end of the year. Um, it was sort of like our banquet for the end of the year. And, um, you know, we had a great dinner and all our guys were just separate ways. And we haven't been back since. Um, you know, this past year has been, um, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but this past year has been kind of difficult for us because we haven't played. And, um, you know, I haven't had all my guys on campus. We haven't been in the locker room. My locker room is is like a, a part of a triage where people are getting vaccinated and tested um, through the course of this uh, COVID. So it's, it's been kind of crazy for us here. Now, man, I know that's definitely, um, you know, I definitely that's something the age can, can resonate with me. Obviously, you know, our, our mom actually also passed away back in 2012, our sophomore year at Quinnipiac. So, you know, for us, being able to like even come home this last year at Coppin State was like huge for us because it was like, all right, you know, we're kind of back in front of our, you know, our family and, um, so I definitely can resonate with that with, with you all, man. Um, so my question for you guys, man, like take us through this year. You know, obviously you kind of touched on it briefly there at the end, but, you know, what was that year, this year like for you guys, watching everybody play? Um, did you guys still practice at all? Like, or did you, was it no contact? Like, what was this year like? Did you co- have contact with your guys? I mean, what was this year like for you guys not playing basketball? Yeah. So it's different for us in the Ivy League. So if, in fact, you're on campus – that means that you, 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 you lose your eligibility at Yale. So if you're on campus, um, you're allowed to be on campus for eight semesters. Once your eight semesters are done, you're done. So if you were to come on, come on, uh, on campus as a sophomore and um, take classes, whether you did it remotely or you did it on campus, um, you would lose that year of, of eligibility at Yale. So your next year, you would be a junior. You would no longer be a sophomore your eligibility to play as an athlete. So um, most all my guys, uh, 11, uh, 10 out of 14 returning guys, they elected not to come back to school. So all my guys are home. We found them internships where they're able to better themselves. As a matter of fact, I'll see a captain, Jalen Gavadon, who's working at a startup for uh, one of our alums. 
he texted me the other day and he wanted to thank me for pushing him or suggesting that suggesting that he take a gap year um, to come back and play a senior year because it's been life changing for him. What he's learned uh, during this gap year has been going to be instrumental for the rest of his life. So I have guys all around the country and they all are in, in internships working in different places. I have a guy working at a real estate investment firm. I have a couple of guys working for Yale Investments. I have a guy working down in um, South Carolina with an investment firm down there. So all our guys are, have a guy from uh, Albany working at an um, import-export business. So all our guys have been able to, to learn and do different things while still working on a game as much as they can. Uh, we've had uh, four, five guys on campus in the in the in the uh, in the fall, um, and we were not allowed to really work out at all. We were allowed to condition, but we we're not allowed to use a basketball at all. So we were in a gym doing like ladder runs and uh, sprints and things like that. Um, we had a, we had a use of a basketball for about three days, um, and then uh, some of the athletes tested positive, and they 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 pushed us back a phase where we couldn't use a basketball anymore. We went we went to back to phase zero where we couldn't do nothing, and then. Two weeks later, we were allowed to go back and condition again. So that's all we did. Um, this semester, we've had we have four guys on campus. I have three post players and one guard. On <laughs> so we're doing a lot of dummy uh, stuff with uh, those four guys. Um, a lot of getting a lot of shots up, and we're playing a lot of two on two with those guys. And as a matter of fact, I had my assistant coaches. They suggested that they come in and they play they play three on three. So I got my old forty five year old post player, Justin Simon playing, and my 47-year-old um, guard, Matt Kingsley, playing without players, you know, getting their butts kicked back and forth because, you know, the young guys are giving them the business. But it's just a way to try to help them, um, you know, learn things that, that we can do in the gym um, that you can't really do two-on-two. So that's what it's been like. Um, watching other people play was really hard, but I'm a big basketball fan, so I watched every night. Um, I had a game on every night watching it. I actually went to the Final Four um, to watch the tournament. I, I got a couple of tickets through uh, Craig Robinson and NABC, and I was in a, in a booth, and I, and I watched the games, and I enjoyed it. And, you know, it's, it's funny for me. I can't, I can't go to sleep at night until I watch the one shiny moment after the NCAA tournament. I got, I got to do that. So, you know, it's just it's embedded in who I am as a person and as a coach. So um, that's basically what we did the entire year. Okay. Now I want to get your take on this real quick. Obviously, you know you, you you had a different role this year because you could kind of watch and really analyze everybody else's team without having to think so much about your team this year. I mean, what are your thoughts about how the season went? You know, as far as um, well, first of all, with, with all the COVID stuff and how you know, I think if we if we being, if we're being honest, we look back at the season, being able to get through all the games that we did and, and crown our national championship. And I think if people would agree that the season was a success. Obviously, without having the Ivy League um, in, in the tournament, definitely was a lot different. But just with, with the national championship game between Gonzaga and Baylor and, you know, how Gonzaga was kind of this, this dominant team all year and then championship game, Baylor was able to, to you know, lock them up and, and kind of dominate that game from tip to finish. I mean, looking back at the season, you know, as a fan kind of, I mean, what were, what were your thoughts on the season as a whole um, this season? Well, I, I thought it was great. You know, um, I, I, kudos to everybody involved. Kudos to all the players and all the coaches that went through this. Um, very difficult times. Um, for me, you know, it, it, it was like if we were going to play, um, it would have been very difficult for me to uh, lose a game because of COVID. Uh, let's just say, like, we, um, we're going to go play a, a, a team in our league and our best players would have been out because of uh, COVID protocol. 
or we might have been in COVID protocol and only had one or two practices before we had to play a game. And if we were going to lose to someone that we, we should have beaten, that would have been a very tough bus ride home. So I'm glad that, that we didn't have to go through that. So I, I'd like to tip my hat to everybody that went through that, all the athletes, you know, being sequestered in, in a hotel room. I actually worked with USA Basketball for a period of time in, uh, in February where I went down to Puerto Rico and I was sequestered in a hotel hotel room for, for 10 days down there. And I got, um, you know, uh, a very evasive test up my nose every day to make sure I was clean. I got a blood test and, and all these things down there. So I, so I can only imagine what all the athletes had to do uh, being in Indianapolis for two weeks or three weeks as they were going through the NCAA tournament. So it was very, it was very challenging, but I'm glad we got through it. I'm glad that we were tough enough and strong enough as a nation to, to work through it and make it happen. And, you know, watching Baylor, like Scott Drew is a friend of mine, and, you know, he did an unbelievable job with his team. And, and this is what people don't understand or maybe not understand. To me, the reason why they won the national championships because they had a guy like Vidal on a team and they had two other post players that they didn't care at all about scoring. They didn't care at all about being in the limelight of being the best player. All they wanted to do was win. So that kid Vidal would go out there and he would knock guys around. I think I believe he got eight offensive rebounds or something like something crazy in, in the national championship game. And I don't believe he attempted one shot attempt after the offensive rebound. He kicked it out to uh, you know, Maceo Teagues and Donovan Mitchell and the rest of the guys, not Donovan Mitchell. Um, Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell, the rest of the guys on the team, because um, he knew they were going to make shots, right? He knew, he knew they were going to be better than he was at trying to shoot, uh, take a, a shot in the post over a guy that was bigger than him. So having guys like that sacrifice and not care about their own is really quite special. And when you can do that, that's how you win a national championship. National championships aren't won unless people sacrifice. So they had a lot of guys sacrificing for that team to be successful, and they really were. And I thought they were the better team, you know, all season long. They had a stretch run where they got through COVID, and this is what we're talking about. They had a, some COVID hangover um, after a pause that they had, and they, they had a few pauses in that, on that season. And obviously, you know, Gonzaga was a tremendous team, and they were very good. But, like, you know, playing in the Big 12 every day as opposed to playing in the West Coast Conference kind of, like, toughens you up a little bit and uh, ready, makes you ready for those events. And I think that that was one of the big reasons why uh, Baylor was able to pull that out and, and have a great victory over Gonzaga in the National Championship game. Now, Coach, man, I mean, I got to throw this out there, man, because, you know, the last time Yale won a game in the NCAA tournament, you guys were beating Baylor in that big dance, you know? So, I mean, you have a sense of, you know, bragging rights there because, you know, you guys were able to get the best of them last time you guys matched up in the NCAA tournament. I mean, the infamous press conference, you know, uh, how they, I rebound you guys and, you know, he's up there, well, rebound, you know what I mean? All that. I mean, so, <laughs> you got a sense of, of pride with that, Coach? Yeah, I do. And here's the thing that people don't understand. In 2016, we led the nation in rebounding. The entire nation. We got a higher percentage of offensive and defensive rebounds than any other team in the nation. So that's kind of who we were. It's part of our package. We defend, we rebound, and we share the basketball. Those are the three things. Those are the three pillars of Yale basketball. And we do those three, three things at a high level. And when you do, you have a great chance of winning. Now, Baylor was a very good team that we played them. Um, but we were, it was a great matchup for us because they played that zone. And we were a tremendous passing team. And uh, we were able to uh, break them down and get them out of their zone because they couldn't guard us in it. And again, we attacked the glass like like nobody's business. There's one clip that um, that I rewatch a lot. Um, our best player, um, or one of our best players, Justin Sears. He was the player of the year in the league, but. 
that year we had Makai Mason and Brandon Sherrod and any of those guys were our best player on a given day. And uh, there was one point where uh, we had a jump shot that was taken by Anthony Dahlia, and he missed the three, and Justin ran in and got the offensive rebound and kicked it back, kicked it out to Anthony Dahlia again. Anthony Dahlia teed up another shot, another three, and as he teed that up, Justin was running in like his hair was on fire to get another offensive rebound, right? And uh, Dahlia ended up making the shot, but the fact that Justin had got an offensive rebound, kicked it out, the shot was going to go up, and he was going back at the rim. It just shows you kind of who we were. It, it, it made me feel great about what we do as a coaching staff and trying to get our guys to, to have that kind of energy and effort uh, to attack the glass. So that was fun and certainly a lot of pride in that. And, and trust me, I'll be telling everybody that, yeah, we beat Bill in 2016. <laughs> <laughs> I've told that story more than once. <laughs> now, I could be asked you, you know, about what this year was like. But obviously, I, I want to ask, you know, you as a coach, you know, you, you're not going out on the road recruiting. You're not breaking down game film and doing scouting reports. I mean, as a head basketball coach, what was this year like for you? You're not having that connection, you know, with your kids, not having to you know, be, be able to day to day, you know, being off. All right, what are we doing with this kid? You know, and you might have been doing that as well. But I mean, as a head coach, what was this year like for you? Yeah, well, we we ended up doing a lot of zooms, so we were in contact, constant contact with our guys. A lot of phone calls, a lot of zooms, um, you know, and like you, you, one of you guys mentioned it earlier analyzing everybody else. Like I could sit down and watch everybody else play and figure out, okay, how are they winning here? You know, why they lose here? You know, oh, I like that set. Oh, I, you know, I kept, like, I kept my note, I have a notebook. So every good coach, uh, especially as an assistant coach, I tell guys, you should keep a notebook of all the things that you like that you see. So when you get an opportunity to become a head coach, you got your uh, book, of, you know, your, your bag of tricks, you know, like Felix with his bag of tricks cartoon I used to watch when I was a kid. Um, so now, now you can go to that and, and use, utilize that to help you and what you're doing. So I was able to do a lot of that this year and my staff were watching European basketball um, and, and watching professional basketball in college because I had all this time on my hands. So I utilized it well, and I hope that we're going to be better next year because of the time we had off. And one of the great things for me is that I'm rejuvenated. You know, I, I've been coaching for 30 years. I'm 57 years old. And, like, you know, I feel like I coach another 100 years just because I had this year off, I'm chomping at the bit to get in the, and get in the gym and start working with my guys and get back after and win another championship. Now, um, kind of changing gears a little bit, man. I want to talk about this because um, this is something that, you know, is, is kind of, I think it's overlooked a lot. You know, people talk about the Ivy League, right? And they think about, um, you know, high academics and think about, you know, the Yale and the Princeton and the Harvards and the Barack Obama's, rightfully so, you know, but I think when we talk about sports, right, like in basketball specifically, I mean, I really has a lot of talent, you know, I mean, obviously you guys specifically had a guy in Mione who was able to get drafted, you know, to, to the Golden State Warriors once they traded to the Utah Jazz. I mean, watching this year, Devin Kennedy, who played at Princeton, was the MVP of the G League this season, got picked up by the Orlando Magic. Um, you know, Harvard had Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns, guys who were top 100 recruits coming out of high school. I mean, um, so, I mean, we'll, we'll get to the broader scope of the Ivy later, but for you guys, man, I want to talk to me about Mie. Like, um, what was he like in your program? What was it like having him, um, you know, seeing him get drafted, you know, on draft night into the NBA? I mean, just um, what was that like for you, man? And, and what was Mie like, you know, having being able to have an NBA guy, you know, in, in your program at Yale in the Ivy League? Well, it was nothing short of awesome. <laughs> you know, not, like there were some games where we were playing 
and me was just doing people and me and my staff would look at each other like, dang, <laughs> dang, like I'm not going to dime anybody out, but we had a game in the league where he just, he just made people look like little kids. I mean, it was like a man playing against boys. So that was, that was fun to see. Um, and, you know, it brought the level up for all of us. And, and you're right. I, I lead, people don't understand. Like, you know, we had Makai Mason who uh, graduated from Yale. Um, and then he had an extra year because, again, he got hurt. And you can't redshirt because he was on campus for his eighth semester. So he redshirted. He went down to, TC, uh, he went down to Baylor. You know, right? He gave Baylor 30 in the NCAA tournament. Then he played for him because he knew they knew how good he was. And he ended <laughs> up uh, playing down there. And he gave TCU 43 points in his senior year. He was second team all Big 12. And I'm mad at him because he never got 43 for me in Yale. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had, um, you know, Jordan Bruno, who was a starting center at Alabama. And uh, he got hurt this past year. Um, you know, he's had, he's had several knee surgeries, but, you know, he's, he's a starting center at Alabama. You know, Mike Smith was a starting point guard at uh, Michigan this past year. So there are a lot, a lot of good players in this league. Devin Kennedy, that kid was a problem. His freshman year, he was a problem. I'm telling you right now. And, um, you know, he had a shortcoming to um, – he had a, a fatal ending to his uh, college career, but he was a tremendous, tremendous player. And it doesn't surprise me one bit that he's playing in the league. And then we had a kid, Matt Morgan, who was just as deadly who played at Cornell. And that kid, another problem. He was another problem. So this league has had a lot of great players, and we continue to have a lot of great players. Um, and it's, it's listen, um, it's a fun league to coach in. Um, it's, it's great to be competitive. Like, you know, we've beaten, like, Miami, Washington, Baylor, you know, Clemson, all these great teams in the last few years and over the course of my career here at Yale because of the level of talent that we have. And, you know, a lot of people don't don't think about it because they see the name across the chest and they think one thing and, like, we have to show them something different. Now, now me and Drew actually came to a game our senior year at Quinnipiac. You guys played Princeton at home. Now the year you guys had Mie and Copeland and Trey. No, Fuel. Penn. They played Penn. You Penn. Penn. I'm sorry. You guys played Penn at home. Yep, yep. And you got and Mie had a crazy, crazy dunk that game. Um, and then, and then you guys obviously went, went on. You guys obviously went on to win the league that year. Um, and I remember I did a. I was um, at Quinnipiac. We had student media, so I was on one of our shows, and I did like a March Madness outlook. And I was like, yo. Um, Yale had a chance to win a game because of how talented they are. Like, like we, we talk about about sheer talent. Like, you guys had an NBA player, and you guys had obviously Jordan Bruno was was a guy that was highly recruited at high school, and the list goes on down you guys' roster. But I mean, I really want to know what what is your recruiting pitch? Like, what do you tell these guys to get them to come to Yale? Like, obviously, a guy like a like a like a Jordan Bruno or, or any of these guys, you know, are, are going to have you know power five schools recruiting them. But what what do you tell these kids to get them to come to Yale and play in the Ivy League? Um, and, and end up having, you know, great careers. All right. Well, let's go back to that pin game because that was <laughs> – That game was crazy. <laughs> so we were down and we came back at the end. We never should have won the game, but we, we stole it from them. We ended up having this out-of-bounds play that uh, I got from Mark, Mike, Mike Jarvis Sr. Um, it was a skip pass uh, to the weak side corner, and Mie Carter drove, dropped it off to Paul Atkinson, and he laid it in. Um, but anyway, just a great, great, great game. Um, so um, in terms of um, – was your main part of your question here? I got, I got, I got lost in the uh, – What's the pitch? What's the pitch? What are you saying? Yeah, well, well, here it is. It's, it's like 
you know, you come to school, you make this decision for the next 40 years of your life, not just the next four. Like, so if you give that some thought, like this decision is going to affect the next 40 years of your life, not just the next four. If you choose not to come to Yale and you go to say a high major school, you're going to base your decision on something that other than, other than something that's going to help you 40 years from now. Like you're going to base your decisions on, well, I like the, their cheerleaders their cheerleaders, their cheerleaders look better than ours. I get more gear. There are more fans in the stands. How is any of that helping you 40 years from now? It can, but you know what can is your education. When I was in sixth grade, and I'll never forget this, you know, we had this little autograph book, and one of my teachers wrote, "Gold and silver may tarnish away, but a good education will never decay." Right? And your education is what drives you. Your education is what you're going to fall back on. Uh, when guys graduate from Yale, whenever they walk into a room, people are going to think they're bigger, smarter, faster, better because just because they went to Yale. And that's extremely powerful. And, you know, I've been around this university for 20, about 25 years now, because I was assistant for 20, for, I was assistant for two, and I've been a head coach for 22. So it's been about a, a quarter of a century that I've been at this university, I've been around this university. And I've seen what these, these graduates do, and I've seen how they live. And trust me, it's nothing short of amazing. Some of the things that, that some of the alums that, of what they've done for our team, it's, you're like, this is, um, we, went, we were down, we beat Miami down in Florida two years ago. And there's an alum by the name of Eddie Lampert. And Eddie was the CEO of Sears, and he has his own investment company. And he was nice enough uh, through another alum, Butch Graves, who's a friend of his. They were both in Skull and Bones together. Eddie was not a basketball player. Um, he invited us out on his yacht. Now, boys, he just doesn't have a yacht. <laughs> now, you guys are too young, but there was a show when I grew up. It was called The Love Boat, which was a cruise. He's got a cruise ship. It's, it's like it's got three. It, got, it has three, level, three levels. He has a 22-person crew that works year-round there. There's a basketball court on his yacht. There's a pool on his yacht. It, it's, it was the most, my guys were like, we were like, it was like unbelievable. But these are the kind of things that people graduate from Yale and what they, what lives they have. So everybody's not gonna be a billionaire, but the opportunities that you have graduating from Yale are tremendous. And if you could just open your eyes and give thought to your future, as opposed to a short term, um, you have a great opportunity to to want to come to Yale. And what helps us most often uh, in this is, is are the parents and the families around these young men. Because when you're 17 years old, it's really hard to digest what life is going to be like when you're 50. Who wants to think about when they're 50, when they're 18 years old? I don't want to think. I'm not thinking about when I'm 50, when I'm 17. But parents uh, have been able to help and guide their young men and young women to come to Yale to try to think about their future. And if you really give it, give it great thought, there's not a better place to go to school. Now, I want to talk about something that's a little bit, you know, unique uh, for you guys. Um, oh, I guess, you know, not as much of a problem for you guys that it is for us to college basketball, and that's the, the transfer market and the transfer portal. I mean, a lot of these schools right now are going through guys hitting the portal, you know, having major turnover. You're getting five, six new guys every year. I feel like in the Ivy League, you don't really see as much turnover because guys aren't really transferring out of the Ivy League like that because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to get the Yale degree before I get up out of here. I'm not about to leave. You know, my freshman or sophomore year. 
Um, but then on the flip side, you got to lose grad transfers, you know, guys like a Paul Atkinson, you know, or like you mentioned, a Makai Mason and guys like that that have to go on for the last year. Um, what has this dynamic been like for you? Um, do you feel like you guys are kind of like safe from some of the pan- pandemonium and the madness? Um, you know, how do you feel about the rule as well? Like that, you know, you, you can't play in the Ivy League, you know, for, for more of the eight semester. Do you feel like that rule should be amended? You know, maybe you guys should keep some of these guys in your conference. Like, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I would love for that rule to be amended, but I believe the reason why they have it is because these schools are so special. For every person that you have that, that stays an extra semester, an extra year, that's one less person that could get uh, admitted to the university. So I, I believe that's the main reason why they have it. And then if you did it for athletes, you'd have to do it for everybody else. Um, they're not going to make a decision just for athletes, I don't believe. So if you made a decision, if athletes were able to stay an extra semester or an extra year, because so many kids would, oh, you know what, I'd like to take a few more classes here before I graduate. I'd like to, you know, add a second, I'd like to add a second major um, at Yale if I could. And so there would be many students trying to take advantage of that. So I think that's, a, that, that's, that's one of the reasons why they don't do it. But it would be great for our school because Makai Mason never would have transferred. Brent, uh, Jordan Bruner never would have transferred. And they would have remained at Yale and finished their career here. And it's sad that they can't finish their career. Like, Makai Mason was a thousand-point scorer, but he didn't do them all at Yale. You know, that's a sad thing for me to, to have to witness and see. Um, and Paul Atkinson, he would have more than loved to have stayed at Yale and finished his career. He was doing everything he could to stay here. Um, but sadly, he couldn't. And uh, he has to move on to Notre Dame. And I, now I got to go watch. Like, it's funny. Every time that um, like Makai played, like when he was playing for Baylor, it seemed like Baylor was on TV every week. So I saw I had, I had to see him play every week with somebody with another colored jersey. And the same thing with uh, Alabama. Every time I turned my TV on, Alabama was on. So I, <laughs> I watched Jordan Bruner knock down threes and block shots and, and uh, dish out dimes on another team. And I'm sure that Notre Dame is going to be on every week just because, you know, Paul Atkinson is going to play there. So it's tough for us coaches to see and do, but you're right. Um, we're kind of bulletproof through this uh, um, transfer portal. Um, I don't really have to look at it at all because, you know, we, we can't really take kids out of the transfer portal and our guys aren't really – uh, jumping in that because you're right. You're going to get a Yale degree. You made you came here for a reason, and you're going to get a Yale degree. To, uh, so the next 40 years of your life are going to be a lot better. Now, Coach, I have to ask you this question because we had your little brother on this podcast earlier, and, and we asked him. Uh, we asked him about what it's like you know coaching against your brother, and he told us the infamous story about Ben Nuakutu. I, I think his name is <laughs> a recruit that, that that he stole from you when he was at Columbia. For those who don't who do not know, uh, Coach's younger brother coached at Columbia for seven years previously, to now being at BU. So I mean, what was that like having your younger brother in the league coaching against him? I'm sure, obviously. For, for those who don't know, if you want to tell the Ben story again, be, be, be my guess if you want to tell that story again. But, I mean, what, what was that whole dynamic like for you having your little brother coaching in the league, recruiting against you, and stealing some of your recruits? Well, I, I'll tell you this. Like, I don't know if he told you the way the story went down 100%. Cause I, <laughs> right, t- t- tell your side of the story. Tell your side of the story. No, 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 not my side of the story. I'm going to tell you how the story went down. This is exactly what happened. Um, Joe was an assistant at Villanova, and he had an opportunity to become head coach at Columbia. So as an older brother, I tried to do everything I could to help him, uh, help him, giving him some lay of the land in the league and trying to help him understand it, told him kind of some of the things that he should be in, that are important to his interview process. And I ended up uh, giving him our uh, – 
a high level recruiting list. So my assistants did all the work, put all this together. We, we had a staff put it all together and I had given it to him so he could show Columbia that he knew who to go out and recruit. So that was my level of sharing with my brother. So now we had Ben Nukuku from uh, Southern Jersey. Um, he had played for a guy, um, Rich, and I can't remember Rich's last name, uh, in the summer. And, um, and Joe had a relationship with him through Villanova. And he got that guy to bring the, him up for a visit to Columbia. And I had been trying to get the kid on campus for forever and just couldn't do it. And so I called Joe. I go, Joe, how'd you get Ben up on campus? And he goes, I can't talk to you about that right now. Click. <laughs> he, hung up on, he hung up on me like, like click. So I called him back. I'm go, I go, yo, my man, listen, if we're going to do this, it has to go both ways. It can't be a one-way street. I can't give you my top-level recruiting list and then you turn around and not tell me how Ben got on campus. Like, are we partners or not? So, you know, we had a good laugh about that and we continue to have a good laugh about that. He was trying to get his program off the ground and, and uh, obviously I was trying to, you know, keep my program going. Now, now, I won't give Joe credit because that is exactly what he told us. He told us word for word, like detail for detail. That is exactly what he said. So, so I will give him some props for, for, for getting the story right, for telling, telling the truth to the world. But, I mean, what was that like just going on with your brother for seven years in the island? You got to play each other twice a year. I mean, what was that like? I'm sure your parents probably loved to see you guys coach against each other. I mean, what was that whole experience, experience like for you guys? Well, the first couple years were okay. Um, because we had so many friends and family that would come out and, and watch the games. And, you know, I'd go to Columbia and like, you know, he'd have all his friends at the game and they would seem like they were all sitting behind my bench. And I could feel the daggers in my back of all those guys rooting against me because they wanted Joe to win. Um, <laughs> and he's a younger brother. So, you know, he's going to go for the underdog and our team was in a better position than his at the time. Um, so that, that was fun a little bit. Uh, my dad uh, was interviewed on television about it, and which was great. My mom, and you know, you could understand the, the sense of pride, the level of pride that uh, my parents had in the both of us because of that. But then it kind of got old, you know, like, you know, wearing, uh, playing your brother, and because those are wins and losses, and like, you lose jobs because of wins and losses. So that got tough, and you know, we talked about one of us has got to get out of the league, man, because um, you know, we just can't keep doing this, and and fortunately for him, he was given an opportunity to um, become an assistant coach at, uh, at Boston College with Steve Donahue. And he was there for a year. And then he left and uh, after a year was fortunate enough to get the job at BU where he is now. And so now we scrimmage all the time and um, we're able to talk and communicate through, um, you know, our teams and help each other with our teams uh, because we know each other so well. Um, so it's been great now, but uh, going up against them every year, twice a year, uh, that kind of got old fast. <laughs> yeah, now I, I can definitely, I can definitely fear that, man. Um, you know, we're, we're still going to be rooting for that. You know, Joe Jones versus James Jones in the NCAA tournament. I mean, maybe one day down the line, man. I don't know. Maybe you guys can both pull upset in the first round and you see each other somewhere like that. Um, but man, I, I, I got to ask you this too, man. You know. Obviously, you know, I know not too many people know, but, you know, I'm an alpha, you know, member of the greatest fraternity on the world. And you had an opportunity to come to one of my pro fights, Trey Fields, um, for, for, for four years at Yale, man. So I want to know, man, like, what was Trey like in the locker room at Yale, man? I mean, obviously, you know, now, obviously, um, everybody knows Cortorio, obviously, you know, his father played in, in, in the NBA for the Hornets. Um, 
Um, I just want to know, like, what was that like coaching him in the locker room, man? You know, him, you know, um, bringing that energy on, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, athletic guy, man. But just, what was he like for you guys, you know, for, for four years? And if you got any embarrassing Trey Phil stories, feel free to go ahead and, and tell them to the world as, as well. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if I had an embarrassing Trey Phil story, I would not be telling anybody. <laughs> Trey Phil is, is one of the nicest people I've ever met on this planet. And here, here, here's the thing, and I've said this about a few people in my life. If you don't like Trey Fields, there's nothing wrong with Trey. There's something wrong with you. Because he's as good a person, as good a man as he is on this planet. He's great people. Um, I have this, um, this uh, photo in my office. I'll show it to you right here. So this right here is a photo of our team after we won a championship. Uh, back in 2019. And Trey is right here, okay? And I have this in my office. When you come in, it's the first thing I see every day. I open the door and I see that. And uh, it's like what I talked about before. You don't win a championship unless somebody has to sacrifice. And Trey Fields sacrificed so much of himself. He averaged, I think he averaged 12 points a game um, his junior year. Um, but his senior year, we needed him to be more of a defensive stopper. We got more offense from other people um, who were maybe going to be a little bit more efficient. But Trey um, took the role of being our best defensive player and just attacking. Like the guys he had to guard, he had to guard Bryce Aiken. He had to guard Matt Mark. He had to guard Devin Kennedy. He had to guard the best guard on every other team, whether they were point guard, the two or three. That was Trey's, that was Trey's job. And he's as good a person and as good a man that I've ever met. Um, I actually was on um, Instagram this morning, and I saw um, a video of him working out and uh, getting better and improving. And, you know, listen, I, I wish nothing for the best of him, and I, and I hope – and he's been in the G League. I hope he gets an opportunity to play in the show. Now, we, we are running a little short on time, so I want to make sure that I thank you, Coach, for coming on with us today. It's been a pleasure, man. This was an extremely fun interview, so we want to thank you for, for coming on with us, man, and you know, hopefully we can do this again sometime down the road, man. So definitely want to thank you for taking the time out of the day to, to talk to us. Well, let me tell you something. You guys do a great job. I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm not just telling you that. I'm just – the way you guys handled this interview and the way you guys are going back and forth, asking questions, really knowing – my team, our league, because a lot of guys ask you questions. They don't, they don't know my last name from my first name. But you guys are on top of everything. You guys do a great job. Anything I can ever do to help you, just make sure you reach out. Definitely. Will. Okay. Thanks a lot, man. This has been another episode of the Auto Big Guys. So thanks for tuning in. And uh, until next week, guys. You bitten on me. What's the topic of discussion? What we talking Best shot, I'ma take the last shot. I'm drawing in the clutch, boy. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.